Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Today is February 4th, 2020. It was very strange to say February. It is currently 2.05, the Tuesday after the Super Bowl, and that's what we're talking about today. I am Jake Mathis. I'm Jacob Bomber. And yeah, this is from Bob's Sports Desk. I forgot to say that. <clears throat> it's okay. Bob is currently in the room adjacent to us doing a guitar lesson. So if you hear guitar slash singing in the background, that's what's happening. But we'll just point out Bob again because Bob is very happy that the Chiefs won because Bob is a big Spoiler. Chiefs fan. Um, so he was very celebratory after Sunday's proceedings. And winning money. <laughs> yeah, we had two people in our midst pulling some good money off of squares. <clears throat> so good job, Bob, and good job, Nick. That surprised you? Yeah, man, because I, I don't know how those work. I don't think they ever were, like, true, but now I know people that actually won, so it's real. <laughs> yeah. My cousin always, like, sets up one for people to do, and I'm always like, maybe, but I'm like, I've also never, like, known anyone who's won anything, so now I know two people, so I think my odds for next year will be pretty high. Your odds to be in one? That and winning. My luck. <laughs> Your family is full of good luck. I know. That's why I said I'm going to win uh, one. Yeah, okay. My family went to Las Vegas for the Super Bowl. I was left at home. Well, I wasn't at home. I was left in Long Beach. I went with Jacob to enjoy some football with some friends. We went to Nick's house. We ate many wings. It was very good. We sat with the largest dog. It was a perfect dog. She really liked me. June. It's a very large black Great Dane. I never seen a full black Great Dane, so it was kind of cool. So the game happened. Let's focus on what we were here to talk about. I was just killing time because you were just texting away. I'm, and I was obviously talking and able to do two things <laughs> at once. So yeah, San Francisco Giants versus nope. Kansas. San Francisco Forty ers versus the Kansas City Chiefs, which Kansas City is not in Kansas. Mm, yep. According to well, Donald Trump thought it was. Yep. That was funny. Well, so I, I mean, there is a Kansas City in Kansas. You realize Kansas that City Kansas Chiefs City is Kansas yeah. City, Missouri, because Kansas City is literally, literally in the middle of both state or not in the middle of states, yeah. but like they're like the middle of the like the city is the state line, and that I don't like that. <laughs> that it's confusing. Write a letter to Kansas or to Missouri. <laughs> Both. <laughs> Do I just send it to the place that's the exact middle? Yeah. Okay, I'll look it up. Where's the middle? So the game starts, and it already was sketchy with the coin flip. Which I wish it would have been wrong. That would have been so funny. <laughs> we talked at great length earlier this year about the Cowboys' coin flip situation and Dak Prescott not doing that super well. And so this is the Super Bowl, and so you kind of need to have your stuff together. And the ref comes out there, and he flips the coin, and Richard Sherman calls tails, and it is tails, and so the ref looks at Kansas City, and I kind of blame the ref for this, because the ref looks at them and goes, you want the ball, right? <laughs> and they're all like, uh, and there was a very weird, like, everyone's like, yes, that's what we do, right? They deferred, we're taking, and so a process that should have lasted not very long, and should have been very clear and concise, instead... 
lasted too long and was confusing, but it worked out. Chiefs received the ball. It's fine. So that was fine. Um, start of the game, the entire game went relatively as we kind of expected it would. Um, I did say that I was rooting for the 49ers because I have multiple really good friends who are Niners fans, and I just don't mind that that much. Um, but I could have gone either way, but I was pretty sure the Chiefs' offense would overcome. And even in my – I don't think I gave a pregame prediction for the podcast, but on Facebook, every year I do a Facebook thread and update it as the game goes and other people will interact and stuff. So before the game started – my prediction was 34-23 Kansas City. So I got the spread right, and I was, only off by, I was only off by three points for each team. So I'd say I did a pretty good job there. But I was hammering Kansas City. I, I just had a strong feeling. I mean, they covered, so that made sense. But it didn't look that way early on. No. The 49ers, well, Kansas City took a 10-3 lead early well, after it was seven three Kansas City after the first quarter, and yeah. then they kicked another field goal and went up ten three. But then San Francisco scored seventeen straight points and looked like things were going in their favor. Their defense was playing really well. Mahomes <clears throat> for the entire first three quarters, Mahomes looked really, really bad. It was like the worst he had looked all year. He had two interceptions, his completion percentage was low, his yards per attempt were low. Meanwhile, Garoppolo at one point was like twelve for fourteen. But one of those incompletions was an interception, a bad one, um, when he was trying to throw the ball out of bounds. Oh, it looked the, like he was it, trying to throw the ball out of bounds, and he just didn't reach decide to throw the sideline. And so <laughs> they intercepted instead. So for most of the game, San Francisco was the better team, and they were outplaying the Chiefs, and their defense was holding it down, and their offense was moving the ball. And then... Patrick Mahomes remembered that he was Patrick Mahomes and he can actually score at will whenever he wants. And the Chiefs scored 21 straight points in the fourth quarter in the last like seven minutes of the game and could have scored another touchdown on the last play of the game. I would have, that would have been crazy. That would have been really funny. But yeah, so Kansas City came away 31 20 win. Um, what I have some notes, but what were some things that you wanted to point out from it? Um, so yeah, to beginning of the game, um, both teams kind of looked, they kind of started slow, both teams, I felt like for who they are, because I felt like they are both teams that like to put up big points. Like I expected kind of a quick, fast point game, but to start off, they went a little slower than expected. Um, Kansas City's first drive wasn't great. Uh, San Francisco's first drive, I think was when it ended in a field goal. It's like they scored their first drive and then... <laughs> kind of for a bit, it was nothing until or until Kansas got their first touchdown, and then a field goal up the next drive, I believe. Um, yeah, so both teams kind of came out slowish, and it was interesting to watch. And I'm like, I kind of was expecting a faster pace of a game to begin with. Until I mean, it was pretty much it kind of kind of got a little faster towards the end of the second quarter, but then the second half was exciting and was the football I kind of expected. So it was good all in all. I enjoyed that Super Bowl. Um, Patrick Mahomes did struggle in a bit, but then he realized that he's Patrick Mahomes and he turned it on and he showed why he should have been Super Bowl MVP. Or, well, he is Super Bowl MVP. 
Yep. A lot of people want... So, three years ago, the Falcons were in the Super Bowl against the Patriots and had a 28-3 to lead oh. and then lost. And in that game, Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator for the Falcons. And everyone went off on Kyle Shanahan's play calling at the end of the game and how he got super conservative and it cost Atlanta the game. So now Kyle Shanahan's the head coach of the 49ers. And so he's in this game and they take a 20 to 10 lead. And then a lot of people wanted to blame Shanahan for, again, for whatever reason, having a fourth quarter of just bad decision making, bad, bad play calling. And so there's a lot of blame that way. And there's a lot of blame on Garoppolo for not being able to step up in a big moment. And so the argument is, do you say that San Francisco uh, choked and blew it? Or do you say that Kansas City won the game? And I'm always inclined to say that the team who came back to win, that they won the game. Mahomes went out there and made plays and took control of the game, and Kansas City won the game. Could San Francisco have done things differently? Yes, but it's not like... They fumbled the ball three times and did all this stuff. Like Kansas yeah. City made plays to do what they needed to do. Um, could Garoppolo have played better in the fourth quarter? Sure. But going in, like here's here's something I heard on on a sports talk radio or a sports talk show at some point in the last two days. You have to go in there, and there has to be an aspect in Garoppolo's mind of like we have to win this game, and I have to be better than Mahomes, mm. and that's not the Niners' game plan. The Niners' game plan is to have a really good defense and to have an offense that runs the ball and controls the clock and controls tempo in that way. And so they don't they don't beat you with the pass. Garoppolo has been a good enough passer to get by. Mm-hmm. He's had a couple really outstanding games. And I think he's more than just a manager of the offense. I think he is a somewhat playmaker. But, like, you still, even though that is the setup for San Francisco's offense the whole time, like, there's still a part of him that has to be like, I'm going up against Mahomes. And especially into the fourth quarter after they score the first touchdown and it's 20 to 17 and there's like five minutes left. That has to be in the back of Garoppolo's mind to be like, I have to be better than Mahomes. And in saying that, you are saying, I have to play better than the best quarterback in the Mm. world. (laughs) Like, that's, that is a really, high standard to now feel like you have to hold yourself up to yeah. and perform in that way. And so am I surprised that Garoppolo did not play well at the end of the game? No, I'm not, because that's a lot of pressure. This is the biggest mm-hmm. game that he has ever been in, and he has heard all this criticism through the playoffs because he attempted more passes in this game than the previous two games combined. So his workload all of a sudden was way more. That's a lot to take on if you've never been in that situation before. You can look back and go at multiple quarterbacks who have not excelled so great in their first run through the playoffs. I mean, you can look at Lamar Jackson right now and how his two first career playoff games have gone. You can look at um, other people in history and just be like, okay, this isn't the most perfect situation all the time. So I'm not going to put it on Garoppolo. And if Garoppolo, like a lot of people want to give him crap for missing that long throw to Emmanuel Sanders whereas Sanders beat the double team and was fairly open and would have been a touchdown if they connected but Garoppolo overthrew him by like five yards if Garoppolo completes that pass 
we're having a very different conversation. I think that effectively yeah. ends the game, and San Francisco probably wins if they. Wasn't that ball pass. tipped? No. Oh, that was one of the fourteen that he tipped, pretty much. So, <laughs> so am I going to be like, oh, he should have made that pass? Sure, but Mahomes had multiple terrible passes that were interceptions. Like, so. I'm not going to throw all of this on Garoppolo when Mahomes also didn't play super great. Mm -hmm. And Mahomes is used to this. This is what Mahomes does. He attempts 40 passes a game. He gets 300-plus passing yards a game. He had 55 touchdowns to you, like last season. This is what he does. Garoppolo is not that kind of person. So to all of a sudden expect Garoppolo to step up and lead this team to victory at the end of the biggest game of his life, maybe that's not who he's designed to be and the rest of his team should have stepped up a little bit more. Mm. The play calling maybe should have been a little bit more run-oriented since that is what they do. And the defense needed to make one more stop, a defense that has been very, very good all year and into the playoffs, all of a sudden could not complete the last seven minutes of a game. So there is plenty of blame, quote-unquote, to spread around if you want to do that. But I am just going to credit Kansas City with making big plays when they needed them. I didn't even realize that, like, I kind of forgot that Kyle Shanahan was part of that uh, Atlanta team. So, like, the the two kind of I, – I, I don't even want to use the word choke because, like, there could have been plays on both sides that could have went wrong, but they just – that Kansas capitalized on them more. Um, it's so, like, the word choke is interesting and hard to say it, so – he made it all the way to this game once again, so that's why I'm not saying he choked. But it's just that he fell short of what was expected. Oh, wow, that's not the word. <laughs> he fell short of expectations, and just it was unfortunate that the last like five or six minutes they just couldn't make a scoring play, pretty much. Yep. When they needed the most. So there are a couple other notes that were talking points. A lot of people were arguing the. Offensive pass interference call on George Kittle at the end of the first half. I I liked it. <laughs> you agreed with the call? Yeah. Because you can't push off, and how they explain what pushing off is is if you have like your fully on, it's full arm extended, correct? And yes. in the picture, you clearly see him as full arm extended. So the argument is for... Most of the history of the NFL, that play never gets called. There are hands and pushing and shoving going both ways, and the offensive player won. And so he made the catch. But over the last couple of years, they have cracked down on that a little bit. And it's one thing if you're like kind of pushing, but your arm is next to you and you're just supporting your own space. Kittle very clearly fully extended his arm. His hand pressed right into the defensive back's shoulder, and it clearly slowed and impeded the defender. Yes. Like, they're, they were distanced a little bit, and then they were distanced by significantly more when Kittle pushed. And so it was incredibly obvious and a good call. As much as people would want to argue it, I you have to call that in the same way you would have to call an obvious defensive pass interference yeah. penalty. Like happened later in the game when Travis Kelsey almost caught the football on a 49ers defender and... But it was defensive pass interference because the defender never turned around and looked at the ball. He jumped up, ran right mm-hmm. into Kelsey. That is a clear defensive pass interference, and it was called. So 
as much as like that was a huge play, 42 yard gain by Kittle would have put the Niners in field good goal position. position and would have been a likely make because Robbie Gold was very good during the game. Um, you can't assume that he would make it, but you feel pretty good about it in that moment. Yeah. I mean, it was curious for the 49ers. They take over that possession on their 25-yard line with 59 seconds left and three timeouts, and they... The, they didn't use the timeouts, didn't they? No. They, oh. I'm going to find the exact play situation. Um, second quarter. <clears throat> so they... They actually start the ball on their 20. No, it should be on the 25. I don't know why it says 20. Was it a pick that they got? No, it was a touchback. So oh, I guess right. the touchback off a punt, it comes to the 20, not the 25. I don't know. Whatever. I don't know that. So the first play they is a run play, and they gain three yards, and they let 32 seconds run off the clock. Terrible. So the next play starts with 27 seconds. They run the ball. And then the Chiefs call timeout because now it's third down with 20 seconds left. And if they get another stop, then they get the ball back with supposedly good field position and can try to do their own thing. So then um, the Niners run another play, and it's third and five, and they gain 20 yards. So now they're on their own 45 with 14 seconds left and try to make something happen. And it's at that point... That play is the George Kittle offensive penalty. So then now there's six seconds left, and the Niners have the ball in the 35, so they just kneel and run out the clock. But if they would have taken care of the ball earlier and called timeouts earlier, they would have had more time. They maybe could have done more. So a lot of people deservedly are going to criticize how the Niners handled the end of the first half. But, I mean, it revolved around that play. If Kittle... It didn't even look like Kittle needed to push off. If he had just kept his hands to himself and jumped up and caught the ball, he would have been fine. But so that was a, that was the case. A lot of people were mad about a late hit penalty that they thought should have been called when <coughs> Garoppolo was running towards the sideline. Oh it, no! But he was definitely in bounds. <laughs> like, and it just yeah. so happened to be on the 49ers sideline, so the entire sideline goes nuts. But Garoppolo was very far inbounds, and it was a totally legitimate hit, and a lot of people went nuts. It didn't really seem like a hit. It seemed more like a push. <laughs> yeah. I mean, regardless, <laughs> like a lot of people argued about out. it. But if you go back and like find video or whatever, even even in live action, it was like, no, he is way inbounds. So that was annoying. There was an offsides by the Chiefs late in the game that didn't get called. That was it the wide receiver? Offside is a defensive penalty. You're so. right. Um so that looked like it could have – I needed to see it in slow-mo. I didn't oh, see it in slow-mo. I know what you're talking about now. The defense he man. definitely started early, but I don't know that he actually crossed the plane, like crossed into the neutral zone before the ball got snapped. I'd have to look at it again, but it didn't seem like super obvious. It just looked like maybe it could have been. Um, there was a – and then on one of the last plays of the game, the chief, the Niners had fourth and ten, and the play clock ran out, and so it should have been a delay a game penalty, but the refs didn't call it, and the ball got snapped like a half second to a second after the clock went zero. They run the play, and um, that play ends up getting called. The quarterback was in the grass 
Um, and that kind of had people asking some questions for what that exactly meant. And basically, so this was with like a minute and a half left, and the Niners have the ball there on the Chiefs, 49. And first with the delay game, yes, looking at it as it happened, you see the clock hit zero, and then the snap goes off. That happens at least once in every game, that the clock will hit zero, and then the snap happens, and they don't call delay of game. Because the referees have a procedure of they are like watching how the play is being set up, then they're watching the play clock and they they wait for the play clock to hit zero. So they're looking at the play clock as it hits zero. They give it a split second at zero before they look back at the ball. If they look at and see zero and then they look at the ball and the ball still isn't snapped, then, then they call delay a game. But if they see the clock hit zero and take that split second and then look at the ball and now it's snapped, then they don't call it. And that's what happened. That happens all the time, yeah. all season, regular season, postseason, whatever. It just so happens that in this moment, everyone freaks out because it's a it's Super Bowl. fourth down play with a minute and a half left in a one-score game in the Super Bowl. But this is how things normally happen. So I'm not going to get upset about that. The Niners... I mean, if you have to argue to get a penalty called on yourself to save yourself, you don't deserve to have that penalty called anyway. Yeah. So that that issue, to me, gets swept under the rug. I don't know why the referee called the penalty, or he didn't call the penalty, but he, upon review, called the quarterback in the grass. All that did was confuse everyone who was yeah. watching the game. What he meant to say was either like, his forward progression had been stopped or something like that because they protect the quarterback. They don't want – in that situation, the quarterback is being held in the pocket like the defenders have a grip of him. And if they let the play just keep going, then any defender can come flying in and just destroy the quarterback. So to protect the quarterback, they say that he is down. They say that his forward progression is stopped or whatever – and they blow the play dead specifically so that he doesn't get destroyed by another defender. And so I had multiple people comment, like, he was still up, he was still moving, he still could have made a play. That may or may not be true, but in that Ten moment... Ten yards is a long way to go. In that moment, the referee is doing what he is supposed to do and protecting the quarterback. So that, too, was a legitimate call, even if the referee didn't explain it in the most understandable way ever. So felt like those were most of the controversial points of the game. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, I think, no, because a touchdown wasn't, or there was a touchdown call? Well, yeah, so there was the other play when, uh, what's his name? Uh, was it Williams? Was it Damian Williams' touchdown? I think so. Name? Where it was questionable at first if it was a touchdown, but it, after like watching it, I think it was pretty. It would. It wasn't obvious. That's. So Damian Williams catches the pass and he runs to his right, and as he puts his last step, he reaches the ball towards the pylon, and it's a very instantaneous moment of his foot stepping out of bounds mm. and him having the ball near the pylon. And it's one of those unfortunate circumstances that no matter what the play was called, 
it wasn't going to be reversed. So since they called it a touchdown, they weren't going to overturn it and say it wasn't a touchdown because it was too close. Mm. But if they had called it short, if they had called it not a touchdown, then it also felt like they wouldn't have been able to overturn it the other way. Yeah. So, and that was a third down play, so it would have been fourth down and inches um, from right there in front of the goal line. And you have to assume that Kansas City, I mean, at that point, Kansas City had already completed two fourth down plays and yeah, they had done them in unique ways. Most likely would have scored. Yeah. So, I mean, but you can't you can't assume that because that touchdown yeah. is the one that gave them the lead and put them up. Um, the score put them up twenty four to twenty at that point. Mm. So it was a really important play, but it it was just bad luck that there was no great camera angle. There was no way to really be definitive. One way or the other. I thought it looked like a touchdown when the play happened. I thought it looked like a touchdown on the replay. But, yeah. So, San Francisco just needed to stop. If Richard Sherman would have reacted a little bit quicker on that rub play, then Sherman could have gotten there and pushed him out of bounds sooner. Sherman also had gotten beaten a play or two before by Kelsey over the top. Which, I have an issue. Why would you put Sherman on a Kelsey? It's just it's a mismatch, and they did most of the game where they had Sherman, a a lanky, skinny corner, on Travis Kelsey, who is a large man. It might not have been Kelsey in that moment. Oh well, there's still they. No, it was to Sammy Watkins. Oh, uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Sammy he Watkins was burning. Sherman was uptight on Watkins, and Watkins just took off around him and burned Sherman. But, but I still. Yeah, he was he game. was on Kelsey at some points earlier in the game. Which was pretty interesting, but I don't know. The Niners don't have huge corners. Sherman's Put Joey big Bosa enough. On him. <laughs> so I just, for my gone. own satisfaction and my overall slight disregard, dislike of Richard Sherman, I was not upset that he was the one being exploited by Watkins in that moment and yeah. that he was the one that could not make the tackle quick enough. Um, Plus, he has a Super Bowl win already, so like I don't need to feel bad about that. Like You have your championship. <clears throat> You're fine. So, yeah, those were... He had to prove that he wasn't just the Legion of Boom. Those were a lot of... Those were most of the main points of the game. There were a couple moments when, like, Mahomes did not... Mahomes is one of the better quarterbacks in the league at being able to run and run intelligently, which involves not taking big hits oh. and sliding at the right time and getting out of bounds at the right time. And he did not play like that in this game. He took multiple huge hits. They're, they're running uh, options <laughs> to the side with Mahomes starting with the ball and then pitching it. And at one point he pitched it kind of late and took a big hit that could have been much bigger. On another one, he chose to to run it, and he just got destroyed in the backfield. And you just can't – I mean, if there's any game to do it, it would be the Super Bowl because then you have a few months to figure your life out and heal up. But still, like if he – because a couple of those hits were pretty early in the game. If he would have gotten hit hard early and that takes him out, like – The game would it be just, over. It just seemed very strange that Mahomes was – not protecting himself in the way that he normally does. So that seemed like a pretty big risk. 
But yeah, if he's just laying, trying to lay it all out there and make sure that his team wins, then I respect it. I just, I was a little concerned by it for most of the game. That is true. Um, kind of the last point about the game itself and people involved in the game. I am happy for Andy Reid. Like too. he has put in a ton of time over his career. He going into the game, he had the most regular season wins by any coach who had not won a Super Bowl, and so 222. He, he gets to remove that from his mark and celebrate this win. Um, there were a lot of people talking about how cool it was and that his players seemed so happy for him. Um, that isn't always the case all the time for coaches and their players, but it truly felt like all of his people really were very happy for him individually to be able to get there. And in celebrating, he was just really happy for everybody else. Like he wasn't, he wasn't taking it in himself and whatever he was, he was stoked for his team too. So that was pretty cool to watch him experience that. And I also heard a couple other people talk about how important Andy Reid is and the fact that he kind of took a risk in 1999 and drafted Donovan McNabb. And Donovan McNabb is the one that, huh. like, Didn't even think about the that. two of them paired together and had a lot of really good success with the Eagles. They never won together, but they made it to a Super Bowl and were in the NFC Championship game like three years in a row or something. So that was a huge deal back then. Um, Andy Reid is the one who gave Michael Vick a second chance. Oh, yeah. And, and like, put him out there as a starting quarterback and had him run the offense. And Michael Vick did pretty well. That did a lot of good for repairing Vick's image and making him a, a positive public figure again. And then Andy Reid is here with Patrick Mahomes and making this really young, super talented dude um, able to run an offense and do all this. And so there's a lot of credit to Andy Reid for being somebody who has stepped up and specifically with these three black quarterbacks to be able to to do something great with yeah. these guys. And so there is something to be said about that for Andy Reid. So overall, yeah. I mean, that's why I say going into it, I was like, I want the Niners to win, but if the Chiefs win, like I'm stoked for Andy Reid because yeah. he has seemed like one of the – Good guys in the league, one of the... Been around for a long time. He has. He was a member of the Packers staff a long time ago, and yep. he's had a bunch of people under him go on to become better coordinators and head coaches and stuff. So this felt really, really good to have Reed be able to, to have this success finally. So that was a really good part, too. It was. It was very fun to see the um, old man himself win. <laughs> so... Getting away from the game a little bit, um, <laughs> what did you think about the halftime show? I I didn't expect a lot going in because I was never like I mean they're good music like they're both very talented and stuff like I, but I never really listened to them. But going in watching this one, I I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> so yeah, I'm not a huge Shakira fan. She is very talented. She's a good singer and a good dancer, and she has a very large following, and that's awesome. And Jennifer Lopez has had a measure of success in singing and dancing. She was a backup dancer on the show In Living Color a long time ago. I didn't know that. And that's how she kind of got her start, and but went on to be a really well-known singer and actress and like so she's clearly a talented person 
I knew that J-Lo was a little bit higher in age. She is 50. And, but I wasn't aware that Shakira uh, is 43. And That's crazy. Like, they are two still very talented women. They went out there and... Both very beautiful, too. <laughs> and they had a really impressive, well-choreographed, obviously, routine that they each had their own individual routines that they did and then combined together at the end again. And all of that was really, really good. There are a lot of people who were a little upset, frustrated, uncomfortable with the level of sexuality that was involved, um, the way they were both dressed, the way they were both moving. And that's a much bigger conversation for people much smarter than the two of us. <laughs> but there, the two sides of that are basically A, this was a beautiful celebration of Latino culture. That's what I was saying. The culture aspects in this was unbelievable and weren't – like this is a part of like NFL fans and stuff like that that was never really represented until now. So I thought that was huge that the culture is finally kind of present. So in a culture that they're um, – what they are dressed in, what they are wearing is very flamboyant and maybe a little tight and a little showy. Um, but that there's parts of that that are part of the Latino um, entertainment culture. And the dance moves are very suggestive. There is a lot of gyrating and moving and stuff that makes Shiny. a lot of people uncomfortable. Um, but again... In cultures, in certain cultures, that is just, that is an empowering act for, specifically for women, mm -hmm. that they do have these beautiful bodies, that they have the ability to control and move in such a way that is, it's an expression for them, it mm -hmm. is an art form for them, and so that's like that from from that standpoint, it was a beautiful portrayal of a culture, of a lifestyle, of an expressive art form that was put on display on pretty much the biggest stage in the world. Yeah, that's one side. The other side is specifically with the empowering part. People think that you don't have to use your body in that way to feel empowered, that it was too over-sexualized, that it was not something that people could watch with their children, that it creates a lot of questions or difficult conversations, that that it is borderline inappropriate. And I'm not going to argue against that. Again, we're not going to necessarily have the full-on conversation of who's right, who's wrong, whatever. Um, I don't personally believe there is a right or wrong. There is a... It's basically what do you know, what do you understand about culture, and what are you comfortable with? And different cultures are comfortable with different levels of all of these things. Yeah. And for me to sit here as, as a Christian and feel pressured to be like, no, this isn't okay because children shouldn't be subjected to this, and, and this is just going to destroy some of their innocence, and this is inappropriate, and women shouldn't have to put their bodies on display that way. While I feel pressured to feel that way, I don't necessarily feel yeah. that way because 
I have been around a lot of strong women who believe that their bodies are their own to use, you know, as they see fit. And there is an aspect of it that women's bodies are used against them all the time in mm. ways that they are not ready for or that they are not allowing. They are being used. They are being assaulted. And if this is a way for women to feel empowered because they controlled the situation, they choreographed it themselves, they showed off their bodies and moved their bodies in a way that they were comfortable with and that they feel really gives voice and power to younger women, then I can't fully disagree with that. Um, do I think it was a little too much? Maybe. Yes. I didn't really need JLo's crotch just flying at my face <laughs> at one point. Um, I would have preferred maybe a little bit more clothing at that moment. Um, but that's just me and what I am uncomfortable with because that was aggressive in that moment. But we have times where men are flying around in crazy outfits. And you had just last year, Adam Levine, like doing his own kind of stripped down situation. But it's okay because guys are allowed to be topless and whatever as culture goes. So it's a big conversation. It's a conversation worth having for all of you. Like if it makes parents have conversations with their kids, I'm sorry. I'm not opposed to that. Yeah. Children are exposed to this stuff at a younger age in a more intense way in significantly worse ways than what the Super yeah, Bowl was. Say it could be a lot worse. So if this if this opens the door to these types of conversations, I mean, maybe you're not having that conversation with your seven-year-old, but like, I'm sorry, 10 and 11-year-olds are exposed to this on a regular basis. Parents should be having these conversations, and if this forced them to have that conversation, then I'm actually for it. Like, mm. that's what needs to happen because kids are entering this crazy world with all this stuff at their hands in a way that is significantly less regulated than what we saw on Sunday, and so... I don't know. That's that's my two cents on that. Yeah. Feel I, free I, to disagree. Feel yeah. free to have the conversation with me. I'm not saying my views are set in stone. If you bring me something that I'm unaware of and that seems to make a lot of sense, then I'm very inclined to change my mind. But as of right now, I was very entertained by that show. There was like they may have been lip syncing. I don't care. I don't expect every artist to be able to go up on stage and put on a terrific show and sing perfectly. So if they're out there. Being able to dance and choreograph and do all these things and people are entertained. I was entertained. There were a lot of other people involved. I had a good time watching it. And like you said, I wasn't expecting, I was not expecting a lot. And I was impressed. Yeah, I wasn't expecting a lot, but I was pleasantly surprised by how above average of a Super Bowl show it was. No, so. It was a better one than we've had for a while, at least. I mean, Maroon I don't 5, remember. Maroon 5 was fine. Yeah, I was saying Maroon 5 was. Like they Bruno were, Mars was relatively recent. He was all right. I don't even remember. He so. was all right. Justin Timberlake was okay. Yeah. I, I as much as I like Justin Timberlake, he just – it was an okay show. So. All right. So that was the halftime show. The other big Super Bowl thing, commercials. Heck, yeah. So, so you you can start. Um, I'm just going to name off a few of my favorite ones. Uh, I really enjoyed the Post Malone one where it was between – uh, was it? Is it Bud Light? It was Bud Light. Bud and Light seltzer. and Bud Light Seltzer, like their own version of a sel hard seltzer, and it it was really entertaining. It was like left left la 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 la. I should have practiced this word. Left brain, right brain, and 
So, like, one side was arguing for the beer, one side was arguing for the hard seltzer, and so, like, he was, like, like half the body was taking control, and the other half was taking control, and he, like, flew himself all around, and, like, started, like, destroying stuff, and it was just really funny. And then at the end, like, he, like, <laughs> they were like, why not both? And they're like, okay, and so, like, like, the brain pushes a both button, and he grabs both, and he's just, like, looking at the... The guy inside the like, like either a liquor store or a convenience store, he just like looks up at the guy and everything's on the floor and he's like, "Hi, I'm sorry." And he's like walked no, through. No, he like, asked for like another bag of chips or something. He's like, "You got any something?" And <laughs> and like all this stuff was just cru- like he's just walking over all this stuff and crushing it. It was, it was funny. And then another one of my favorites was um, the Sam Elliott and Lil Nas X one, where they had like their dance like off. For Doritos, yeah, the Cool Ranch Doritos, and it, that one was pretty good. Yeah, if you so the Post Malone one, I was like, ah, oh, this is just like basic slapstick physical comedy. Um, but it was, I was impressed that Post Malone was the one who was doing it and allowed himself to kind of look foolish in that way. Um, but yeah, as soon as the Doritos one started, I was all in. Like Lil Nas X is quite a personality, <laughs> so I am entertained by him almost 100 percent of the time. And Sam Elliott is incredible. A, he's from a generation that is above me, and so I don't really know why he should be significant. Like I haven't experienced. I know he is significant as an actor. I just haven't seen any of the stuff. You should watch I just the know ranch. who he is. And so, um, but for him to be like, he could have easily been said like nope i am way too old for this it i'm not def- a part of this 100 percent surprised me it was him. and he did a phenomenal job Lil nas x did a phenomenal job billy ray cyrus is in the commercial <laughs> for two seconds and nails it and just from start to finish so that commercial was incredibly entertaining and i already buy doritos all the time but that would incline me to buy more doritos so that one was great um there was one of the first ones was a snickers commercial Oh, that one was Which, dumb. I mean, it was making a somewhat political statement, and it was, like, listing a few of the ways that the world is, like, really screwed up. And so the world is just – I mean, admittedly, we've had a rough January between Australia <laughs> catching fire and Still. multiple people dying. And there's just been a lot of craziness going on and almost World War Three and all these things. And so the commercial, the start of the commercial is just like, man, the world is really screwed up. The world is in itself right now. The world really needs some help. <laughs> so they just make a huge hole. The commercial, they make a huge hole, and there's a bunch of people surrounding the hole. And they lower an enormous Snickers into the hole to go with their sequence of commercials in which, like, you're not feeling like yourself? Have a Snickers. And so the commercials that have had, like, whoever, Danny DeVito and Alan, and all these other people who, like, they're acting wrong, and then they have a Snickers, and they're back to normal. That being the premise of this commercial, that the world just needs to have a Snickers and it'll be back to normal. I found that to be very entertaining and a yeah. pretty good start. So I liked that one a lot. I, I liked that when at the end when the two like selfie people just fell into the hole, <laughs> and then like and then like it like shot to like a guy's face. She's like, I, I, I okay, like I don't mind that. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that part was funny. Um, I liked I okay so. A little controversy about this one with Baby Nut. <laughs> oh. Because I'm gonna I, never you guys, even, I never even saw I'm going to let you guys know right setup. now, I am wearing a Baby Yoda shirt right now. Baby Yoda is far trumps Baby Nut. Baby Nut means nothing to me compared to Baby Yoda. I would, I would burn Baby Groot as kindling, and I would feed Baby Yoda Baby Nut. 
that's how avid I am about this. Protect is that, baby Yoda. Is that it? You're not even going to explain the... Oh, I did actually really enjoy that commercial because it had the Kool-Aid man and it was really funny. He's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it was just a weird... <laughs> it was a weird commercial. Like, who owns those? Because it was Kool-Aid and something else, wasn't it? It was Kool-Aid... Um, I don't remember who was all there, but it was a lot of people. And I just... I didn't see the original thing. Like, somebody had to tell me that Peanut, Mr. Peanut had died. And I was like, that doesn't even make sense. He's an ad. And then it just comes back as, like, Mr. Baby Peanut. I don't know. So I was... I was entertained by that commercial just because of what was in it and, like, how it played out. But, like, grand scheme of things, it just the whole ad campaign to me is weird. I haven't seen the whole ad campaign. I don't understand it. So they so they were going to play the ad, but they didn't because of Kobe. No. Like, they were going to play it again, but then they are like... Because apparently the ad, Mr. Peanut, there's, like, a car accident, and yeah. there's two people that are, like, hanging off a cliff, and... It's either them or Mr. Peanut, and Mr. Peanut looks at them, and he lets go, and it allows the other two people to live, or so I've had it explained to me. Yeah. Um, so, I I don't know. It's just weird. Like, what? You have to kill off a mascot? That seems weird. But I knew he was going to find a way to come back. But it was kind of funny, because I think it was like Cooley Man's tears that like fell on like the grave of Mr. Peanut, and then a little peanut sprout grew out of it, and then this little baby peanut just showed up. Baby Peanut's cute, but not Baby Yoda cute. Um, what other commercials were good? Uh, Did you see the insurance one that went around killing other insurance mascots? No. It was like a small insurance company in like Massachusetts. I, I probably only it was probably only there, but uh, it was trending on Twitter. Um, and it went around and like it, he was like, I am now the Godfather of insurance, and he went around and he like Mister or like so the gecko opened the door. And he shot the gecko with an umbrella that That's was a gun. Terrible. He walked you in. Can't do that. <laughs> it gets better. He walked in on. Um, or worse. He walked in on the caveman getting a massage. So he's only attacking Geico so far. Yeah, and he <laughs> shot that one too. And then he wa- or he walked into a room and it was Flo and it was someone in the bed with her and like he walks in and then shoots her <laughs> and then. Walks out and then he he runs into uh, the mayhem guy. He's like running up the the stairs and he <laughs> shoots the mayhem guy. <laughs> was, it was just really funny. I was gonna look it up, but I don't even want to because I don't want to get that. I just that explained any, it pretty well. Yeah. Um, another good one was the Facebook one for the Facebook groups. I like that one. <laughs> oh my! How have we not talked about what Google did to us? Google <laughs> put us all in the fields. I almost cried because of Google. Because they talked I, about when that oh, commercial man. started, I intentionally stopped paying attention because I didn't want to have to encounter that emotion while watching the Super Bowl. <laughs> it hurt. I mean, it's different for us. So the setup is Google, like Google Photos. This very old guy, his wife has passed away, and so he asks Google to show him photos of her, and he's so he's like seeing photos of his widow, of his wife. But it started wife. off with says how to not forget. And then it clicked on a one, and then it was like, okay, Google, show me pictures of Loretta. And, oh, man. So, but it's just like it instantly makes you think of the startup. up. Uh-huh. And for certain people, so Jake and I are not married and do not have kids, but for certain people of either an age or a position of life where, like, this seems like a reality that could happen you know, relatively soon, that's a rough 
emotion to encounter while you're trying to enjoy <laughs> a Super Bowl. So the ex- explanation I heard was, was it very effective? Yes, that commercial did exactly what it meant to do. Was it probably not in the best place ever to do that? Yes, because I'm just trying to laugh and enjoy the Super Bowl, and now instead I'm contemplating eternal things, and that's hard. It's so sad. So, but it was so good at the same time. Like it was a well-made commercial. I mean, it, it really got you thinking and really got you wow. Okay, Google. <laughs> um, can we talk about? These aren't commercials, and we'll get to more commercials later, but The Rock's intros. Oh, fantastic. Oh, my gosh. The I Rock wish... has to be the most entertaining man ever. Like, I mean, okay, there's a few others that are up there, but he's so, like, he's everywhere right now, and he's just so entertaining in all aspects. Every, every His explanation of, like, Legion of Zoom and the stuff he said about Kelsey and then... What he just he introed both teams and it was phenomenal. It was I don't even remember he did he say he said the candy ass line and then raised his eyebrow and that <laughs> that wins for me every time. Every time he says anything like that, I I fall apart because the Rock is the best and when he uses that, I'm done. So I was very excited about he, the Rock's intros. Um, his comment about Honey Badger, he doesn't give a. And then it was just so funny because the viral video about honey badgers. <laughs> it's, it was fantastic. And then the commercial setup for the kid to come out and introduce the football. Oh, that was football. so good. By He's, the way, um, the guy on the tractor was Tim the Tapman, who is a very famous streamer. I will take your word for it. It was really cool that they included him because he was also – tractor. Yeah, so remember when the kid was running through like the farmlands? And there was a no. the guy on the tractor, and he's like, oh, he's going fast or something like that. That's Tim <laughs> That's the Top Man, who is a very famous streamer, and he would stream Thursday Night Football games on Twitch. Yeah. Like, he is the host of them. So it was really cool that That's it was funny. him. Yeah, so last year they had the, like, Football Legends commercial, and they're all at a party, and there's, like, a trophy or football bouncing around. So everyone is diving, running, tackling, and it's well, got really all of these too. amazing football players in it. So this one was set up kind of in that vein, that this kid is running all over the country, stopping by all these stadiums, saying hi to all these different football players, and they're all encouraging him to keep running, going wherever he's going. And so at one point, he, like, passes by Jalen Ramsey, and I forgot who the Chargers guy is. And you, like, still to this day, I have no idea what the Charger guy was saying. Uh, they showed, like, an outtake from it, and you still don't know what he's saying, and it's super funny. Um, but he just – it was a really, really well-done commercial – to get all of these football legends involved in a really fun, creative way and to include this kid who, like, won this big competition to be this representative. The kid's name is Bunchy Young, and apparently he's super talented. Great he was, name. He was Sports Illustrated Sports Kid of the Year in 2017. Um, but he came running out there with the ball, and then there was another kid representing every one of the teams that got to run out onto the field and be part of that. And I think the NFL just did a really, really good job with that. Not um, enough Packers are in that commercial, though. So so that was a really, really cool opening. and um, Derwin James is the Chargers okay, guy. You yeah. just forgot about I'm one of sorry. the best young safeties in the league. That's fine. Um, 
And then Yolanda Adams singing America the Beautiful. I loved. She belted that out, and it was great. And Demi Lovato did a really, really good national anthem. I was blown away by how good it actually was. She didn't try to change it. She didn't try to make it her own. She just went out there and sang it, and I thought it was perfect. It was great. It was much better than I expected. She sang it very well. Um, Moving back into commercials. I like that all the singers were women this time. That's good. They, They were very talented. It was great. Um, oh, except for that the, one. Rap. The Brian Cranston Shining commercial. Great. I'm not a huge fan of that movie, and I'm not a huge fan of Brian Cranston, but I do. I, know that. I mean, I don't dislike him. It's not like Nicolas Cage or something. You dislike Nicolas Cage? We don't need to talk about that right now. We do. No, we don't. We only have like seven minutes left. So, Brian Cranston, <laughs> the best part, because it was stupid. He breaks down the door just to hand her a Mountain Dew or whatever. <laughs> I was that was dumb. But it ends with a half second of the twins from The Shining. Oh. And it's his face on the twins, and that was just horribly disturbing and I thought awesome. you were talking about when she was like, oh, I was kind of thirsty. No, stupid. <laughs> no all of that was stupid. But it ending with just like a split-second <laughs> shot of Brian Cranston's face on the girl twins from the movie. Like, okay, that kind of redeemed the commercial by being insanely disturbing. So that was great. The uh, MC Hammer... Oh, that was, I forgot about that. That was oh, good. I love MC Hammer. And it was for Cheetos? It had to be, yeah, right? Cheetos popcorn. popcorn. I didn't even realize. I just It was all about your hands getting the Cheetos stuff on you, and it was literally like this Can't guy being in positions where he had to hold something or grab something or whatever, and somebody would go to move towards him, and then MC Hammer would pop up and go, Can't touch this. Yes, the <laughs> Cheeto could, dust. It was fantastic. So I commented, never a bad time for MC Hammer sighting. Um the uh what else oh the other we were because it was a fox broadcast Ugh. and so jk did that it was joe buck and troy aikman um, i don't have a problem with troy aikman they i have a problem with joe buck they're fine it's whatever joe buck's the worst um but because it was fox they kept showing commercials for the mass singer and i wanted to punch every costume character in the face I was Little just, Wayne was the first one. I was over. I don't care. I've watched the first episode of that show, and I've never watched another episode since. Because I, I want Brennan Urie on terrible. it. Um, so there was at least oh, there were two more. So the Alexa commercial with Ellen and Portia. Oh, that was good. But I've, I saw that one before in the Super Bowl. Oh, I hadn't seen it before. That was fantastic. It was an add They go YouTube. back, go back in time before there was Alexa. And oh yeah, you left that Alexa. really hard. Oh, so good. Just right away, the first one is like, <laughs> turn it down two degrees. So they just grab the fire from out of the, grab a piece of wood out of the fire and throw it out the window. And then you hear some guy scream because, it, oh man, it's brilliant. And still on fire. Yeah, it was great. And then all the other ones after, it was great. Um, the Jimmy Fallon and John Cena Michelob commercial. Oh, that, that yeah. had a million different I people. I forgot about that it, one. That was there, good. That one was really good. The Jason Momoa. Oh my gosh! But like you can be you can be your real self with Rocket Mortgage or whatever. So Jason Momoa walks in his home and he's like removing muscles and things to show that he's really some scrawny dude. (laughs) Bald. It's clever. It makes you remember it. Um, I can never look at Jason Momoa as the same. But probably the probably the best one, if not, I mean, top two or three, was the one with Rachel Dratch and Chris Evans. On the oh, side. Yeah, I saw that one too. <laughs> Smart so. Pac. Oh, man. Also, John and Krasinski. And Krasinski. And David and Ortiz. Big Poppy. I mean, Big Poppy is why that became the best one, because out of well, nowhere, there's just a great moment. 
Like it was a really good commercial John's with those so three good. people. I know, but then it just the icing on the cake of having Big Poppy come out and say it. Like it was perfect. So I was very happy with it. I want an office re- I want a reunion with the office so bad. Oh, and Anthony Anderson's mama. Oh, that one is so good. When I he's on the phone, he's on the phone and his mom keeps calling him to say oh, that like yes. she, it works here and it works here and she's just in all these random places and Anthony Anderson's getting really bummed out. He's like, Ma, stop calling me. This is whatever. And then he's in it bed. Works in the and it works in the kitchen. He's in bed and he gets a call like midnight and his mom and she goes, it works in the club. <laughs> he's like, who are you? Why are you in the club? <laughs> oh, it's so. Like, who are you in the club with? <laughs> oh man, that was fantastic. That was probably my favorite one. Just, it was, ah, it was so good. So yeah, I think we had some really quality commercials. Yeah, I thought time. it was a pretty good was year very, for commercials. I was very, very happy. So, and then we got a very quick preview of the, Shows coming to Disney Plus and the Marvel Black shows. And, oh, and also the commercial with uh, Arya Stark. I really enjoyed that one where she singed Let It Go, <laughs> and it was really funny. And then the part where it was like, and the cold never bothered me anyways. I was like, oh my gosh, because she's a Stark. Yeah, that was like an insider one because I didn't get it. I, I don't it. even know what the commercial was for. It was for, uh, I want to say IKEA. Okay. Some car. To me, it was just no. It was Audi, commercial. I think. I said my friend, take a look. No, no, it was a really good, I think, overall. So looking overall, it was a great game. Very entertaining. There weren't Audi. actually any controversies, despite what people try to do with missed calls. I think it was just a very well-played game, entertaining start to finish. The commercials were great. Halftime show was entertaining. Um, the right team won. And I, I was just... It was a good, good Super Bowl. It, it was. was very happy. I, I was very happy with how, how good it was. I, Even though my team is so close, I wish it was my team. But it was still good. So better luck to everyone else next year. Here's to hoping the Rams do well. You want Yeah, who do you think it's going to be? Rams? I'm do? not doing that. I want to be Packers, I want, I want to be able to spend like a week letting the Chiefs be the world champions and then worry about next year. Some Packers, Jaguars. So I'm not going to do that. You just say things from your heart. Imagine that have Aaron Rodgers no versus meaning. Gardner Minshew in a Super Bowl. There's no way. I will bet you a thousand dollars that neither of those teams are in the Super Bowl next year. If either of them make it, I will pay you a thousand dollars. But if neither of them make it, you owe me twenty bucks. I mean, okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm yeah, I was like, wait, this is not okay. <laughs> I'm those o- those odds were too much. That was like fifty to one. <laughs> I was 100% going to take that. I want you to know. <laughs> yeah, never mind. I, w- I am that. I am almost that confident that neither of those. I am that confident that the Jaguars won't, and I'm pretty darn confident the Packers won't. I'm also pretty confident the Rams won't. So <laughs> that's where we are. See, look at you. You made me talk about next Hopefully year. Hopefully, it's want in. To. It's in Los Angeles next year, right? I don't remember. Is Los Angeles even a thing yet? Yes, we're playing there next season. Oh well, they it's better hurry. Done. <laughs> I just don't, I didn't, because it was supposed to be done in three years, and then this was, next year was supposed to be year two, and so they were supposed to have two, like, full seasons and the end of the second season. So I think the Super Bowl might be in LA next year, and I that could be rough. But hopefully it goes well. Stadium looks cool. It's not quite done yet, but it's getting there. Yeah, it was It was on a commercial. Well, yeah, it was part of that, but that yeah. was, it's not like that was a live commercial. yeah. yeah. Anyway, all right. Thanks for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed the Super Bowl, too. If you want to talk to 
us about any of that, feel free to. And if you want to write an angry letter because you don't agree with our halftime show views, then uh, feel free to do that too. As a matter of fact, come on to talk about it. Hopefully a woman comes in here and tells us what's actually up. We get, you know, whatever. I'd, I'd be very intimidated. That'd be a that. weird sports <laughs> one, though, because this is from Bob's Sports Desk, not the actual one. Come on the actual podcast, and we'll we'll have a conversation. Deep conversation. Otherwise, enjoy the start. Enjoy the middle of basketball and hockey season and the start of baseball season. Two weeks. And we'll see you next time. Pitchers report in 10 days. I'm Jacob Bomber. I'm Jake Mathis. Have a great day.